every one of the women who I have had the pleasure to speak with is relevant, especially in today's current atmosphere. I've been repeatedly asked by so many of you to re-air episodes, so while on hiatus, I am doing just that, re-airing some of the inspiring, extraordinary women. Maybe you missed this episode, or maybe you just want to listen once more. Please enjoy. Sylvia and me. Sylvia and me. Sylvia and me. Sylvia and me. Hi, I'm Sylvia Beckerman. Join me today as I talk to an extraordinary woman who is changing the world by making a difference in her life and the lives of those around her. Hello, my name is Diana Green Foster. I'm a professor at the University of California, San Francisco. Welcome to Sylvia and Me. Diana, thank you so much for being with us here today. And you are the author of The Turnaway Study. It's 10 years and 1,000 1, women and the consequences of having or being denied an abortion. Can you um, explain what... Um, what precipitated you? What, what made you go ahead with this particular study? Yeah, so abortion is a topic that's filled with very strong, people have very strong feelings, but there hasn't been a lot of hard data. And so assertions that may not be true are commonly shared. Um, and, they, it, and so much that, it, uh, that, that assertion, things people believe but don't know if they're true can affect the laws and policies. And so one statement in particular, the idea that abortion hurts women has resonated and it's inspired state laws restricting abortion. And the Supreme Court has even used it to ban one method of abortion, use that idea. But the Supreme Court, when they did that said, but there are no reliable data. And oh, you went about this was kind of some reliable data. Okay. And um, it's really not an easy topic to study because most people who have abortions don't tell everyone they know about them and they certainly don't, um, you know, rush to sign up for studies. And so um, what, this, what this study took was going to 30 abortion facilities across the country and recruiting women who received an abortion and women who wanted one and were denied. Because if abortion access is restricted, some women won't be able to get the abortions they want, and what are their outcomes? And this actually took 10 years. You didn't rush into the study. You did a very methodical study. Can you um, explain to us um, how did you go about picking uh, the, the clinics and also then the um, women who wound up being in the study? So to um, do this study, we went to 30 abortion facilities across the country from Maine to, to Washington State, Florida to, I'm trying to do the geographies. Anyway, across the whole country okay. uh, in 21 states. And um, we, had, uh, we looked for sites where they turned women away um, and no other facility nearby did an, would do an abortion at a later gestation. So if you were too late for that clinic, there was no clinic nearby who could do an abortion for you. And um, from each site, we recruited one woman, woman who was denied, 
two women who were just under the gestational limit and one woman in the first trimester and kept recruiting for every woman denied matched group that received it. And one of the things that we need to explain that each jurisdiction has different uh, laws, different rules on when somebody can and cannot have an abortion as to whether it's the first trimester, so many weeks. And one of the things I think that you, um, you focused on were a lot of the women who were just past that particular um, limit, that term limit, where they were then denied. Can you go into um, the different, I know that you did some women in the first trimester, which from what we understand, most people, uh, that, that's the greater percentage of women who, who do have an abortion. Yes. But there are women who, um, uh, as crazy as it sounds, some women don't even realize that they're, um, they're pregnant. How do you explain that? Because I know there are so many people who say that cannot be true. Well, certainly it, it is true, but it's also very rare. 90 something percent of women who have abortions in this country do so in the first trimester. So when I say that some women don't realize they're pregnant, it's, it's not that it's common, but when it happens, it makes it much more difficult to get care. And that can happen because people have just given birth and so they're, they haven't gone back to a regular cycle and they might not realize they're at risk of pregnancy again. It can happen because they have chronic health conditions that have the same symptoms as pregnancy. And then it can happen to people who just don't have pregnancy symptoms. I mean, we all know women who have really easy labors and the rest of us suffer mightily in delivery. Everyone has a different physiological response to pregnancy. So it's not crazy that some women would just not have the symptoms of pregnancy. One of the things that you did, that your study was really focused on was the emotional uh, health of these women who had an abortion and the ones who were denied. Um, so the emotional health and also the social economic health, can we go into some of the emotional health because there's so much out there saying that, oh, it destroys a woman's um, mental health, they'll regret it for the rest of their lives, they'll never be yeah. the same. Can you go into what your study found over these last 10 years and how did you come to these conclusions? So we did almost 8,000 interviews with women following each of them for five years. And it was, mental health was really our primary concern. And we had validated measures of, of mental health so that we were very careful how we asked people and that we used the same questions that other people asked to measure mental health. And we found um, no increase in mental health for women who had abortions. In fact, their symptoms of depression and anxiety go down over time. For women who are denied abortions, there's a short period of heightened anxiety, loss of self-esteem, loss of life satisfaction that happens right at the beginning because they've just been denied an abortion and they're realizing that they are about to have a baby that they felt that they weren't able to take care of. And so um, there's a short-term mental health harm from being denied an abortion, 
and in the long run, the women who receive an abortion actually um, report that they stop thinking about the abortion. And they say, one woman said, I only think about it when you call me every six months about these interviews. And not over 95% of women at every time point that we interviewed them said that they still felt that abortion was the right decision for them. Now, the- Very different from what um, that idea that abortion hurts women is, is not factually based. Um, in fact, women feel like they made the right decision. And uh, I believe that one of the um, one of the results of your study is that on an economic uh, level, an economic health, that being denied an abortion can be devastating for a lot of women and their families. Yeah. So there were no differences in the long run in mental health between women who received and women who were denied abortions. Um, but there were big differences in those two groups. And I trace all the differences to what women said was their reason for wanting an abortion. So when you ask women, why do you want an abortion? The most common reasons are economic, that they feel like they can't afford to have a child or to, for, uh, or to have another child. And um, we see big economic differences. Women who are denied abortions, it won't be too surprising to your listeners, it's hard to hold a full-time job when you are pregnant um, and um, about to deliver. And um, the loss of um, employment income is not quite, um, the, the gains in some public assistance is just not enough to offset all the extra costs of having a baby. So women are actually more likely to be poor if they're denied an abortion than if they receive one. Some of the other reasons that women give for, for wanting an abortion also hint at the differences. Um, they say that, that they want to have an abortion because they need to take care of their existing children. And about over half of women who have abortions are already mothers. And we see that their existing children do worse when um, their moms are denied an abortion as opposed to receive an abortion. Now, the women in the study, um, they were made up of, very, of a very diverse group of women. Can you kind of uh, tell us about some of the makeup of these women that you chose for the study? Uh, we approached all, uh, choosing is um, not quite, we approached all women who were denied and we pick the next, we, for every woman denied, we recruited the next woman who received an abortion. So we weren't picking and choosing. And we found that when, from our recruitment strategy, they look, the, the demographics of the people in our study look just like women who seek abortions in clinics nationally. So they're um, disproportionately low income, but not entirely low income. And they um, come from every racial ethnic group, um, about half of them are in their 20s, about one in five is, is a teenager, and um, they uh, come from every religious group, every um, 40 states across the country. So it, we have a very diverse sample. It reflects the diversity of women seeking abortions um, nationally. What, where our study is different is that um, women, our study disproportionately has women seeking later abortions, and um, because 
all the restrictions on abortion make it so difficult if you're late in discovering pregnancy to actually get care, to travel a long distance, to pay more money, to spend more time away from your family or your job. Women who are low income are more likely to be pushed later. So, now, when you yeah. say later, I mean, these women weren't, there were some women who, who were denied, they were a day or a couple of days beyond what the term is. Um, what were most of the reasons why they weren't able to fit into whatever the, the rules were in the closest clinic that they, were, they would go to? So um, we, the women who um, were denied, um, people who were late in seeking pregnancy, it's largely a problem of late recognition of pregnancy followed by a huge slew of barriers um, to getting care. So trying to raise the money to pay for an abortion, trying to arrange the travel, knowing where to go. Um, most of these facilities, not all of the facilities set their limits based on state law. Sometimes it's the clinic policy or the, um, the skill and willingness of the, of the abortion provider, the nurse or doctor who provides care. So the limits are vary from from 10 weeks all the way to the end of the second trimester. So there are barriers that are, are up there that no one would really even know about unless they were the ones who had set the rules and regulations for each one of these clinics to begin with. On top I think of even the people who set the rules don't realize. I'm sure that people who pass gestational limit bans aren't thinking about the women involved. If they um, I think there's just a lack of compassion for the experience of having an unwanted pregnancy. And if they thought a little bit more about it, they, they might see that people are making the best decisions they can for themselves. Um, this isn't, it's not, I think people think maybe that later abortion is that you didn't care enough to hurry up. And that's absolutely not what we found. People are working very hard. They're visiting multiple facilities, being turned away, looking for another facility, trying to borrow a car, trying to get their car fixed, trying to get somewhere far away um, in order to get care. So there isn't this assumption of irresponsibility is wrong. Um, we, it's just actually very difficult to access abortion care in a lot of the United States. And one of the things that you did, um, as you mentioned before, one of the women who had one um, said she didn't think about it other than when you, you called every couple of months. So that's very important. You followed, you followed up with these women throughout the study. Can you explain exactly how that took place? Yeah, I had a, a team of amazing, brilliant women interviewers. They were highly trained um, and they worked from like 6 a.m. till 8 p.m. for years doing these interviews. I swear they didn't work each of those shifts all by themselves, but still they worked really hard over years. Um, and they called the women for interviews every six months, but we called to check in because now in the age of cell phones, people don't keep their phones reliably for every six months. So we're trying to check in and, and trying to keep in touch with people. It was a, a major endeavor. Um, the, I salute the women who were the interviewers for this study. So aside from 
financial reasons, economic reasons. What were um, some of the other reasons that women had who um, wanted an abortion? Yeah, so the most common is financial. Another reason is that it isn't the right time for a baby. Um, and that uh, we actually looked at women who um, received the abortion and then had another baby within the study time period. So, and we found that the child born, because the woman was enabled, allowed to get an abortion and had a baby later, that child did better than the child born um, because the mom was denied an abortion. Um, in terms of economic, the economic well-being of that child and also the mom's reporting of her maternal bonding with that child. So that, so the first reason was economic. The second reason was not enough, uh, not the right time. I think the third reason had to do with the man involved in the pregnancy. And interestingly, this is an area where we found no difference. The women said their relationship was not strong enough to raise a child. And we found that the relationships dissolved regardless of whether the woman had a baby or had an abortion. They steadily dissolved over the five years. Um, and I think the, the next reason is being able to care for your existing children, which is something I mentioned. And yeah. if you ask a question slowly, I'm gonna reach and try and find my uh, paper that says what the next reason is. All right, and one of the other things that the study showed was the fact that when somebody said it was financial reasons, that that usually was not the only reason. Yeah, that's important. I mean, I think it would be very sad if people were having abortions when they want babies um, because they felt like they couldn't afford it, and that is very rare. People give economic reasons, but they give a lot of other reasons as well. And I just looked up, the fifth most common reason is, is an interesting one, is uh, one in 20, sorry, one in five women, 20% report that they want an abortion because uh, they, uh, having a baby right now would interfere with their future opportunities. And we actually measured this too. We asked them what they, we asked the people in the study what they foresaw their life being like in a year. And the women who, um, received an abortion were much more likely to set aspirational goals for the next year. Those include things like getting a better job, getting a better relationship, moving into their own home, um, finishing a degree, um, and they were much more likely to have an aspirational plan for their year than women who had just been told they could not have an abortion. So not only on a personal with their own, uh, you know, what would affect their own life and their own family, it affects all of society because these women, if they wind up, as you just said, the children aren't doing as well as, uh, as the other children when, um, when an abortion is denied and they're then forced to have a child. Um, and the financial and, and the emotional toll that it takes on not only the, the mother, but the children that uh, the mother winds up having is a whole, it's a domino effect. It's not just in their own little nuclear center. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And what I would like people to take home from this study is that um, women are making careful decisions when they decide that an abortion is the right decision for them. 
they're weighing all of their responsibilities and their aspirations and they're making the right decision for themselves. We don't have to, to step out so far as to make arguments about society, but these individual women, their lives and the trajectory of their lives are strengthened when they are able to make their own decisions about pregnancy. And um, as you said, there's, there's so much um, involved. It's not, you know, people have an idea that, that uh, women who want an abortion are making snap judgments. They don't really think about it. They don't know anything. Um, the other thing is that it's perceived that it's a very dangerous um, mm -hmm. procedure. You I'm so found. glad you brought that up. Yeah, that we did look at physical health as well and had very important findings that I think are surprising to people. The medical literature is completely clear that having an abortion is associated with lower risk than carrying a pregnancy to term and going through delivery. Um, and we found that um, completely borne out in our data um, there were very serious complications from birth and not serious complications from abortion. Um, longer periods of disability after birth compared to abortion. And the saddest part of the study is that two women died of childbirth-related reasons um, in the study after being denied an abortion, which is heartbreaking and also shocking, way higher maternal mortality than we would have expected. And I don't think that I think it's something of a, of a fluke that, that that happened, but it does indicate how high risk pregnancy is and that, you know, the fact that many women choose to be pregnant and choose to undergo, undertake this risk shouldn't blind us to the idea that, that pregnancy is a serious investment of one's body into making another and the risks are serious and to force women to do it when they're not ready to have a child involves subjecting them to the risk even of death. You actually um, have a very interesting story within your own family. Your grandmother on your father's side and your grandmother on your mother's side. So can you um, go into that? Because if I say it, I'm liable to get the wrong thing, but go ahead, tell it, because I think it's very interesting. Right. I tell the story because I think that um, we actually, all our families, if we talked openly about it, all of our families have stories of unwanted pregnancy. This is super common and not commonly talked about. So my um, dad's mother had an illegal abortion during the Depression because she, like women today who have abortions, felt like she couldn't afford to have a child. And she went on to have three um, children and be a happy mother um, when they were in better economic uh, circumstances. But still, she had an illegal abortion um, because uh, in the 30s, it wasn't legal. Um, and my mother's biological mother uh, became pregnant um, when she was 19. And her parents pressured her to have an abortion, and she resisted. And I don't know exactly why she resisted. She was definitely a strong-willed, make-your-own-decisions make kind of person. But she, for religious reasons, did not want her to have a baby out of wedlock. They were conservative Christians, and that was something they were very worried about. Um, and at that time, abortion wasn't as stigmatized as it is today. 
compared to having an, a child out of wedlock. Um, and she placed my mom for adoption and we found her many years later. Um, and she resisted getting an abortion herself, but she was actually pro-choice. She's an example that people have to make their own decisions. It's not about even pro-choice people can decide to carry an unwanted pregnancy to term. And we find in our study, even people who say they're opposed to abortion sometimes decide it's the right decision for themselves. Wow, that's a, that's a very interesting story. And as you said, people don't talk about it. Um, so here you are. Uh, your mother had you. Uh, it's, you don't know what the future brings, but to be able to have that choice and be able to decide what you want to do. And to me, one of the biggest takeaways is the fact that women do think long and hard about it. It's not knee-jerk decision. It's not a, uh, a selfish decision as people would think. Um, and and there's, there's so much to be learned from this. And as you mentioned at the beginning when we were talking, this is a very, very important time in our, um, in our daily lives with, uh, with some huge decisions that are going to be coming up. Yeah. Uh, so the Supreme Court is just about to issue a major abortion ruling. The case is called June Medical Services versus Russo. And in some ways, it's, well, it is exactly the same case the Supreme Court heard four years ago and decided that this one restriction was unconstitutional. But in the last four years, the, the composition of the court has changed. We have new justices on who say that they're opposed to abortion. So if they rule differently, it will not just mean that this one admitting one law in Louisiana can take effect. And if it does, then the whole state of Louisiana will have only one provider. Um, but it also, uh, it, it would be a statement that it doesn't matter what the, the harms of a restriction are when you consider whether it's constitutional or not. The, previously, the court has said restrictions can't um, cause an undue burden on women seeking abortion. And if they decide this case differently, it will be saying uh, you don't have to make that assessment of whether the harms outweigh the benefits or the benefits outweigh the harms. Any restriction is fine. Because in this case, it's so clear that the harms of the restriction outweigh the benefits. There are negligible benefits and it would shutter uh, two or three of the clinics in, in Louisiana. Well, uh, Diana, this, this study came out, the results and this book came out really at the right time. And I hope we get the word out for people to be informed and being really informed with real data, not assumptions and not emotions, but data that can show that um, being denied is, is more harmful to not only the woman, but the children that they wind up having. So um, very, very important study. And I know that we're talking about this right now. We're in the midst of the pandemic, some things are opening. And at the beginning of this pandemic, it was not called an essential service uh, that had to be fought. Uh, so I 
am happy that I got to talk to you today. Um, again, the book is the Turnaway Study, and um, it it just came out in June, right? So this is you know this is great, um, Diana. Thank you so much. Um, you I so really much. appreciate it. Is there a website that people can take a look at or do yeah. they just go to, out? okay, so tell us the website. Uh, the Turnaway, uh, sorry, turnawaystudy.com, all word, uh, turnawaystudy is all one word.com. And it will take you to meet the women scientists. This was a collaboration of a huge group of women scientists. So you can read about some of the scientists who worked on this study. It'll also, if you wanted to, we're gonna be putting lectures for college classes up there. You can read reviews of the book. You can see book events like this one. Um, so they'll, uh, the website is turnawaystudy.com. Diana, again, thank you so much. This has been exceedingly informative. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. On our next podcast, I'll be talking to another extraordinary, inspiring woman who has made her mark on the world. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform and, of course, our website, sylviaandme.com. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to keep up with the latest episodes. Review, rate, and take us with you wherever you are. I want to hear from you. If you know of an extraordinary, inspiring woman, please contact me at sylvia at lifeofprey.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Stay safe. This has been a Life of Prey production.